Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. I'm Doug Taylor, and I'm here with Jesse Ryder, the city center campus pastor. And we're both from Crossroads. And Crossroads, we have several campuses now. We have a campus in Shelby. We have your city center campus downtown. We have a campus coming to Lexington on 159 Frederick Street. And we have a campus at the prison. Hopefully I didn't miss any campuses yeah, there. Did I get them all? all? Did I get them all this time? Great. So this podcast, the Deeper Podcast, is designed to help you go deeper in God's Word and to grow deeper in life application. A lot of people use this personally in the middle of the week or they do it with their small group. So we're in. We're starting a new series called Uncommitted, and we'll be talking more about that as we dive in. But before we do, I wanna talk about our community group launch, our groups, our classes, and our connection groups. Jesse, which ones have you been involved in in the past, and what are you looking forward to this semester? Yeah, well, you and I, we just did a parenting class together, The Art of Parenting, uh, really, really a, a unique and fun look at parenting, and it was great to meet some of the other parents here at Crossroads and kind of sit through that class together. You know, certainly we, we were teaching that class, but I think I also learned a lot just from, from being in that room with other people and the curriculum there. So that, that was our, our previous session. This one, uh, we have the shape class coming up, talking about how to find your best fit. I'm excited about this because I think a lot of people have been coming to the next steps and been kind of asking the question, you know, I want to get involved, but I'm not sure where, you know, I, here's kind of what I like to do. How does this fit in with ministry and, and kind of help everybody just piece everything together? I think it's going to be a really exciting class. I think so too. A lot of people want to know what is their spiritual gift and how do I use my gifts, passions, and temperaments in order to serve and just to be a productive Christian. So I think it's going to be a great journey to walk through people as they kind of explore, you know, kind of look inward and explore who they are, how God's made them and, and what that means. So I think it's going to be great. And that parenting class is continuing. Stephanie Webb and Stephanie Rule are going to, are going to do that group too. So we, we have like 75 groups you could be involved in. They meet at all the campuses I mentioned. So you can sign up online right now or in a lobby at one of our weekend services. Nice. So let's, let's kind of jump in here to this uncommitted series. We're in the passage, um, Luke chapter 14, that we're talking about that. And the, uh, you know, our commitments shape who we are, right? Those commitments, the things that we do every day with our life really do impact what we do. So have you ever felt stuck by one of your commitments that you made it and then you wished you hadn't made it? You want to get out of it? A lot of my food commitments, I feel like I, I know I've kind of just get stuck in those. And you know, my wife and I had agreed two years ago that we were not going to do fast food for an entire year. And at the time, we were so excited. It was a healthy decision, and we thought this is this is great. And it was until the you, you ever been in those moments like you kind of need fast food, yeah. not from like a healthy standpoint, but man, it sometimes it's just easily accessible. It's right there. You know, you kind of get you didn't plan your meals accordingly, and so that's kind of where we were. Like you know, we were we're a couple months in. We've been doing great, but we just got in one of those moments where we thought, you know what, man, it it really would work right now if we could just you know, find something pretty fast and kind of cheap and we could be on our way. So that, that's one of those ones that we've made a few years ago. A lot of you have to do with food where you know, our intentions were good. We're trying to eliminate certain kinds of food, but 
you know, I love donuts and, and donuts are not exactly great for you. And so you, you make some commitments to try and avoid some of those foods or things like that. And then, you know, you get those cravings to have it back in your life. What about you? What's something you kind of felt stuck with? Yeah, mine is kind of, uh, <laughs> I kind of hate to admit oh. it, but um, I made a commitment one time to help my wife in uh, the little kids class at church. She loves to volunteer with little kids. And I thought, oh, it's something that we could do together. This was, wasn't at Crossroads, okay. a different church. But I thought, I could do this with these little ankle biters. And uh, I found out after like two or three weeks, I cannot do this. I, have, I love high school kids, junior high kids. I'll serve in those areas, adults. But just something about those little ones. I was like, babe, I don't know that I can keep, you know, you know, after the third time she said, you can't read or be on your phone when you're in this class helping me, you know? So I just couldn't do it. So I had to uncommit from helping her in that, you know, in that class, but I'll gladly do junior high or high school. So I gotta have to stay in my lane a little bit, but, but that's a, it's a weird feeling to say you commit to something and then you realize I don't know that I can keep doing this. Right. You know, and you kind of, they're well-intended commitments. Yes. Good intentions behind them, but it just, you got to find that right fit. Yeah, that's true. You do. Let's look at Luke 14, sure. those verses 15 to 33. Can you set the scene for us? What's the context of this passage? So we are kind of in the middle of the, this tension between the Pharisees and Jesus. Uh, and the Pharisees continually try to just manipulate situations in order to, to trick or to trap Jesus into to kind of proving that he is not who he said he is. And so you will find these scenarios throughout the New Testament, especially in the Gospels of the Pharisees setting up these really kind of scenario-based traps where they, they kind of invite him into a situation to see what would he do if this were to happen or what would he break one of the laws or how would he respond? And so in this specific one, they invited Jesus over for dinner and they had kind of placed this guy outside. It was the Sabbath and to see how would he handle the situation? Would he break the law, break their law and heal the man on the Sabbath? Or would he ignore this hurting man because it was the Sabbath? So that was the scenario. And Jesus kind of walks them through about how to care for people and to not be so just kind of stuck to the law that you miss the people and you miss loving other people. And then he begins to share with them the, this idea, these, these parables about inviting them and caring for people and the kind of the cost of discipleship. So what we're going to read right now is Luke chapter 14. And we're going to be, let's start at verse 12. We're going to read the parable of the great banquet and then also the cost of discipleship. So if you're reading along with us, Luke 14, we're going to start in verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you for you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all like began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. 
Verse 25 says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he is enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate, whether he is able with ten thousand, to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple." Both of the, this parable is kind of about feasts and banquets, you know, I don't know if they were tempting them with donuts or not, but, but we get this idea of these feasts and banquets. What do you think these parables mean? Well, I, I think you know, you can look at it. You, you can see there's obviously there there's kind of a context of hospitality about you know why you're inviting someone to dinners or to banquets. Uh, but more, more than that, I think more than hospitality, it's really about the cost of discipleship. And we see that the cost of discipleship there is this attitude of humility and kind of self examination that's required with the cost of discipleship. Yeah, for for sure that, that they want to, they want to be able to accomplish that. Let's let's talk a little bit about these people that that the invitees, the people that get invited. Jesus shares this story and uh, stories are powerful. And I kind of found myself thinking, you know, which one of those invitees am I imagining myself into this story? But describe these excuses of these invitees. Yeah, we we see three different excuses in there. You know, the first guy said he had to go examine his land. He had just bought some land, had to go examine it. Uh, The second guy said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I need to go examine them. And the third guy said, "I, I just got married. I need to go be with my wife. And so I think each of the, for us, it kind of puts it in a, almost a category of excuses. You know, certainly we, we could use work as kind of the, the first one. You know, he bought the land for the purchase to, to kind of work the fields, and that was kind of his source of income. Uh, so we, we kind of categorize that in, in the work category where work becomes our excuse. The second guy, the, the yoke of oxen, is really kind of possessions or maybe hobby-based uh, excuses. And the third guy is kind of relationships. So we see these categories of excuses. And and the thing about excuses is they can come in just many different shapes and sizes, right? You can kind of create your own excuse to show your own values. And that, that's the danger with excuses that you have these excuses. And really what you're saying is, I value this over this. And so regardless of the reason or the circumstance, that, that's the bottom line of what an excuse is. Yeah. So we, if we're talking about our Christian life, there's things that we know. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know there's some things, some foundational things that Christ wants you to do. Share your faith, read your Bible, be involved in a local body, in a church, and be active in that. And so sometimes we make excuses around those things. So um, in what ways do we need to uncommit? in order to be able to commit to those things that we know we should sure. be doing. Sure. Well, I think if, if you take the example of sharing your faith and, you know, the excuse that would be common would be like, well, what if, what if it damages the relationship with the person, whether I'm working with or, you know, I'm kind of helping, whatever situation be, what if it hurts that relationship? What if, what if they say no, if I invite them to church and they say no? And so in our head, we dream up kind of these worst case scenarios and then those worst case scenarios become our excuses. And so I think part of it is understanding we have to let God work in those moments, right? We, we have a tendency to kind of think in, in the worst possible context, you know, this could happen or this could happen. And then we forget, you know, God can work through all of that, 
right? God is, is bigger than that and God is more powerful than that. And sometimes we try and limit God with our own excuses. So I think sometimes it, it's just, you know, the excuse of, of what could happen is a dangerous excuse because you kind of put God in a box. It's, well, well, God didn't think of this or God didn't think about that or, or maybe God forgot about this. And it's really limiting to who God is. And so I think that's a danger excuse, dangerous excuse to use. Yeah, sometimes I think people have excuses for even coming to church. They, they may come once a month or twice a month. And some of those things, some of those excuses that they kind of conjure up in their head, they say maybe, well, it's the only time I could get together with my buddies and play racquetball or, or there's that great golf tea time, you know, in the summer, it's a Sunday morning tea time. And you start making excuses or um, I don't want to go by myself. My, my wife is home with the kids. I don't want to go home by myself. But we do make excuses and even for for, for serving or sharing our faith or even reading the Bible. Sometimes we make those excuses. So how do our desires reveal our, how do they reveal our commitment? Sure. Well, I think even in the examples you're giving there, you see the desires are all kind of driven by self, right? Not wanting to go to church by yourself or not wanting to miss something because, you know, and so it's all just driven by self. So I think part of what we have to look at then is, is what is, our motivations for these things, you know, what is trying to fuel us. And so sometimes, you know, golfing is not bad. I'm not a golfer, but golfing's not bad. So if you have a tea time or you have a big golf outing, those aren't bad things, but when it becomes a distraction from better things, that, that's when it becomes, the excuse becomes big. And so that's what you have to be careful of is as you're looking to kind of limit these excuses is removing yourself from that. And so I think understanding, you know, there are things that we've been given. Uh, golf could be one. I, I'm not a golfer. I'm a terrible golfer, but I am not a golfer. But golf could be one thing where it's a great tool to use to reach other people and to serve other people with. But sometimes we let those hobbies, we let those, those fun things become distractions in our lives instead of tools in our life. Is it true that we naturally commit to things that we perceive are really important? I, I would say that's true. I mean, if you think about it, that would be, you know, if you commit to something, there's something in you that says, I, you know, I want this to be a part of my life. Now, sometimes those commitments could be fueled by selfishness or by different accolades or awards or accomplishments. But if you're going to commit to it, there's something in you that says, I want this or I want what this could offer in the future. And then we forget the big picture, right? We, we forget like the, the, the real rewards at the end of our life. When, when, when we're in heaven, those, those real rewards. And sometimes we let those earthly rewards distract from those heavenly rewards. When God becomes our greatest desire, all other commitments kind of fall into place. So that's what I have to do. I have to make sure God is my ultimate desire and my commitments are moving towards what he wants for my life. It's our prayer that God would show you this week those areas in your life that you need to decommit from and that he also shows you areas in your life that you need to have more commitment towards. Um, we pray that you have the courage to uncommit from things you need to uncommit from and the courage to commit to things you need to commit from.